Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Arenado hits it out to right. The Cardinals have the lead. Goldie will score. Arenado racing to second. He is safe at second. Somehow he avoided the tag. And it's 1-0 Cardinals. That one is into deep center. Way back there. Still going. Adios, Pelota. A two-run homer for Darren Ruff. So two down. Andrew Kisner, the catchers. Right three call right down the middle. And the ball game is over. People say, you know, is there somebody you want to narr- narrate your life? I want John Miller to narrate my life. Guys, awesome behind yeah, the mic. You won't hear a bad word from me today on the calls from the <laughs> other side. There's no way you can do that with him. He is funny. He's great. He's glib. He's got excitement. I uh, love listening to John Miller. Didn't like the result of the game last night. The Cardinals drop it 5-2. Competitive game. Got a little out of hand there late with that rough home run. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show on a Thursday. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kiley. Coming up, we're going to visit with the bench coach of Team USA. He's been around baseball forever. Uh, Jerry Weinstein and looking forward to that. Um, walks, 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 walks. That was a problem last night. So you had eight walks, one intentional, two of the walks come around to score. You had a bases loaded hit by pitch. Well, you, you lost by three. There's three runs right there. That's one of the reasons you lost the game. Can't have those walks. I think it's pretty simple here, Dan. We're watching the development of a young pitcher at the major league level. That should be taking place right now down in AAA. But by necessity, he has to be in the majors. And I wish it was more complicated than that. I want there to be other options other than Johan Oviedo right now. And again, this is no shot at him. He's just a young kid that has not thrown at AAA. And he probably should be learning these lessons right now down in AAA. He doesn't have great command. He seems to still have his confidence in place, but you just you can see it early on when he's on. It's kind of like Carlos Martinez in some ways different because it's not the focus. It's the command. But when he's on, you can see it early. When he's not on, you can also see that early. So we saw Oviedo last night uh, wasn't on early. The first nine pitches were eight balls. I'd have to do a deep dive on this, BK, of when the Cardinals score in an inning. What does the pitcher do the next inning? And, and the, you know, we talk about momentum in the game. So momentum is your next day starter. There's also momentum inside an actual game in baseball. I really believe that. And I believe in shutdown innings. I think they're huge. So when you jump out, you've already won the first two games of the series, and you jump out against uh, Wood, and you get the double by Arenado, and it comes with two outs. You know, it was a base hit by Goldie, or whatever it was. I need my score sheet here. Let me... Uh, my handy-dandy score sheet. No, it was a two-out walk, and then he advanced on uh, a wild pitch, so he's in scoring position, and Arenado drives him in with a double. That That's how you establish the game. Like, right there, you're, you're up one nothing, and your two big guys, here they come again. They've had great numbers against the Giants, and they're both hitting the ball well. They're a reason why you're winning some of these games. So now you, you've, you've established a, a tone in the game. 
Then you come out in the bottom of the first and you have nine pitches, eight of which are balls and back-to-back walks. And then dealing with a bases-loaded situation, it just takes the air out of it, man. It's the life is just gone. And when you continue to walk people in the game, the life is gone out of your ball club. But to the point of, of the original point I was trying to make is you you score in a shutdown inning. It just has a different feel than just a normal one, two, three, or getting out of an inning, those kind of things. A shutdown inning is huge. The Cardinals just don't play with leads very often. That's and true. That's that's the thing is like when you get a lead the way they did yesterday, you got to maintain it. And it was gone immediately. It was like the moment that you got into the bottom of the first, you knew, oh, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to work. Like we're going to need so much more than this. And they weren't able to do anything. They were able to get to Wood early and then basically did nothing against him the rest of the game. And this was a, this was a matchup I was very interested in seeing, Dan, because when you're going against the Giants, he's the type of guy that you got to be able to take advantage of. And the Cardinals offense, once they've got to the Giants bullpen, has done a pretty good job in this series or did a pretty good job in this series. It was the starting pitching that really got to him, and that's something they're going to have to correct eventually. You've got to be able to make those adjustments that we've talked so much about, Dan, against the starter. When you're seeing him the second and third time through the order, that's when you've got to do damage. We talk about it all the time for the Cardinals pitchers. Well, it's got to be the same on the reverse side of things. So Oviedo saw a pretty good pitcher on the other side, so he settled in. Alex Wood, seven innings, three hits, earned run, a couple of walks, and strikes out six. Johan Oviedo, you just tell he was getting a little bit unnerved, frustrated with the walks, with the strike zone, and also with Mike Ustremski. We saw that. He thought he may have been stealing signs at second base. Those two kind of jawed back and forth. But uh, what about the confidence right now of the young man, Johan Oviedo? Uh, right now, I feel really good. I have so much confidence in myself. My staff feel great. My body feel great. You know, it's, it's about put the plan, and that's what I do, put the plan. It just followed not trying to do too much, trying to do more than I can. Um, like I said, it's a learning process, and I really learned so much things. That, um, you know, take these uh, off days to come back and be better. Cardinals are playing with fire all night long because the Giants got a chance to bust this game open multiple times. They stranded 12 in the game. Oviedo still looking for his first career win. He's now mm-hmm. 0-8 in 17 career games, 16 of which have been starts. Manager Mike Schild. I think he's. I think he's really close. That's the encouraging part. I think he's really close. You know, you're going to see fits and starts to it a little bit, and you know, you want to see it even out a little bit more consistently. But I think he's really, really close. And again, he's um, he's doing a very challenging thing. He's got, you know, he's a strong kid, not only physically, but he's a kid that you know loves the competition. He's toking it all in. He's going about it in, in the right way. He's just learning on the fly. And but I do see him getting better. I do see him slowing the game down. I do see. You know, some positive things in the competition that's that's going to bode well and, and really, really um, allow him to take that leap to once he clicks and gets that consistency, his stuff is filthy and um, he's just he's he's going to be just fine. It's about throwing strikes. Wade LeBlanc, by the way, now inserted into the game one start tomorrow for the St. Louis Cardinals. That was supposed to be the start for Mike Schilt going mm-hmm. to. Carlos Martinez. Yeah, it looks like he's got a tear in his ligament um, from that. Um, you know, the offense has not been very, very good to us from the pitching perspective. Um, it looks like it's it's sniped another one of our starters. Um, so, you know, he's gonna, he's heading back to St. Louis as we speak. He's at the airport, and we'll get better at clarity as we move forward. So we'll find out more tomorrow, but this is the interesting part for the Cardinals and the manager. 
It's not great. It's not positive. It's um, it's clearly going to be something that's going to impact him for some period of time. How much, I'd be irresponsible to say, but um, it's not. He's don't expect him my rotation in the very near future. Have you ever heard of the UCL, Dan? Yeah. That's the ligament in the thumb. Uh, I've always thought that was like an elbow or something. Yeah, it, it's both. Does it extend from the thumb to the elbow? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. So yeah, that's, it's different. This is not Tommy John surgery no. that we're talking no, about sure. here. However, uh, trying to find some comps for this, the one that I could find, it's a position player, so it's not one for one. But Mike Trout had a similar issue a few years back. He was out for about a month with it. Apparently, there's some pretty good uh, technology that they're able to use for stuff like this. But when he says it's going to be out a while, you could be looking at Tell me if you've heard this, a Cardinals pitcher coming back in early August or so. Yeah, I mean, that's you could have it where potentially you get Flaherty, Michaelis, Martinez back. In a best-case scenario. Yeah, best case, you know, early, mid-August. So the question will be, how do you balance the innings and the starts? We know Wade LeBlanc now is in the rotation. Certainly, John Gant would be a guy that you think, well, do you throw him back in the rotation? You're extending and stretching out Jake Woodford. I would imagine that's the direction that the club would go. Thank goodness the all-star break is coming up because I was saying with Randy and the crossover, I think the way you could position, you could realign, um, you could realign your rotation to where Oviedo maybe is your fifth starter coming out. So it buys you about 10 days with him. Yeah, it's just, it's not ideal. There's no question. Um, just not, uh, not a good thing. It's not good at all, and Dan, they just don't have a whole lot of options. You can buy yourself some time going into and out of the All-Star break. So you can get the rest of this week and then coming out of the All-Star break probably close to a week there as well. And then you've got to have some answers. And I don't know where they're coming from because it seems like the pitching market is super thin right now. I've done a little more reading, Dan, from national guys that would certainly know this market better than I And all of them seem to suggest there's like five guys that are out there. The problem is there's like seven to 10 teams that would love to add starting pitching. So when you have such a small quantity of pitchers that are available and such a large quantity of teams that are looking for those guys, man, the prices start escalating. And as that deadline gets closer and closer, the prices continue going up. Now you've got bidding wars. And we know John Mosellock does not like getting into the bidding wars as you get closer to the deadline. So it's going to be tough. How about the challenges right now for Mike Schilt and his staff? Talk about Miles, you know, an all-star. You know, Jack and Cy Young consideration the last couple of years off to eight and one start and easily in that conversation for this year and definitely on his way to an all-star game. You know, Miles an all-star in several years ago and Carlos with two. So, yeah, I mean, those are pretty strong pedigrees and um, experiences not only in the regular season but in the postseason that are not on the club. And, and um, but we got to figure out, create solutions. Hmm. Create solutions. Can you imagine being like on that flight late last night and you're Mike Schilt and you're Mike Maddox and you're sitting down on the, the charter and – Brian Eversger, and you're like, all right, guys, create solutions. What do we got? How are we going to get through this? Because it's a gauntlet. It is. The next three days, the nice thing for the Cardinals, the timing on this one is better than the last couple. Because of the break. Exactly. You've got about a week, a week from tomorrow, until you have to really have some answers for this. And then even then, you can get through the first three or four days, and it's no problem. You can get through that series against San Francisco. 
the problems start when you get into that series against Chicago. Right. And you have no off days coming out of this break for about a week and a half. You're going to need a fifth starter at some point in that stretch. And Dan, I don't know who the options are. Jake Woodford is down in Memphis right now. He's stretching out. Maybe where you go. He's internal. I don't know that I love it, but it's an option. But you got to um, look maybe outside for pitching. But pitching, period. You got to you, you got to have to find somebody. Period. Now, here's the one thing I would look at coming out of the break, and we'll see how this weekend plays out. This is really a, a key weekend, I think, for both teams. You know, you go in with sure. uh, obviously the Cubs are struggling. They dropped 11 straight prior to last night. They won Cardinals um, this road trip. I'm fine with it. You know, dropping three or four against the Rockies competitive games there were better games could have won all four could have lost all four could have split wound up uh, losing three or four and i look at the giant series could have dropped those games and you drop and you won two or three against a team that um is really good you know there's only been five guys against the giants this year that have gone seven or more innings i mean they grind through lineups and they're terrific at home i think they have lost only now two home series with the cardinals being one of them so you saying, hey, there's some signs that you you like what you're seeing. But here's what I'm, I'm about to say, BK, is that they have the Cardinals 16 of 21 coming out of the, the hopper here of the all-star break. Do the damage at home. I always look at segments. We, we just got done with a segment of the yep. season where you had sub-500 teams. Didn't go great. Well, you got home games coming up. Bigger crowds probably coming in. 16 of 21 at home, even with the fact that you're banged up in your rotation and your bullpen. But this is where you try to just keep your head above water and get these guys back and make a run in the um, in the stretch run. And if you can keep your head above water, Dan, we, we've talked about early August being that key date because of the pitchers potentially coming back at that point. Well, that's when the schedule once again softens up a bit as well. You've got three against KC, three against Pittsburgh, three more against Kansas City. And then over the next nine games, you've got all of them against Pittsburgh and Detroit. You could really start making a little bit of movement inside of the standings in early August if you're able to keep your head above water until then. It's really about how do you get through the next month now. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Jerry Weinstein has been in baseball for a long, long time, mid-60s. He's coaching in college. He's managed in the minor leagues. He's been a bench coach. He's also bench coach for Team USA in the upcoming Olympics, and he's been kind enough to hop on the phone and join us, Dan McLaughlin and Brandon Kiley. And, uh, Jerry, welcome to one of the – I'm sure you know this – one of the great baseball towns in America, St. Louis. And thanks for hopping on. How are you? I'm great. Good to be with you guys. Let's talk first about what you're doing right now with uh, Team USA and being a bench coach, and we have some questions about that, especially with Matthew Libertor and John Jay. But um, how exciting is that for you to wear that uniform USA on the front and to qualify for the Olympics? Very exciting. Right right now, actually, I'm with the uh, college national team until we reconvene with the Olympic group. So I'm with the a uh, group of the best college players in the country, and we're traveling through the Appalachian League. But the uh, Olympic experience, and this is fortunately for me, and, and my third Olympics, I, I coached uh, on the 92 staff in 96, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, to this group. But it's a little different. The 92 and 96 were college players, and these are all professional players. 
What is that like when you get that group of players together? We know baseball in some ways is an individual sport, but it is a team game as well. What's it like to get those guys together for kind of the short period to try to go out and win a gold medal? Well, I'll tell you, it was, it was somewhat surprising. We had a group of, uh, older, some of them free agents, uh, uh, older, uh, ex big league players or, or, or still big league players, but uh, free agents at the time like David Robertson and Todd Frazier and Matt Kemp and Logan Forsyth and uh, Homer Bailey. And we had a bunch of young guys and the, it was, it was like, it was like a college team. Uh, the, the team culture was unbelievable. We had, you know, a lot of young players, up and coming players at Jaron Duran's and the, uh, Luke Williams and Jeremy, uh, 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 Jimmy Sherpies who, who, who those two guys are in the big leagues right now since the qualifier, but the, uh, the, the bonding process happened almost immediately. And I, I credit that to the older guys. They were, they were very welcoming and, and, uh, they were very supportive and, mentoring and and it was a an, an unbelievable environment in in such a short period of time and it was remarkable how that transpired we're all excited about matthew libertor here in st louis and you had the chance to watch that young man pitch uh give us your thoughts on matthew well you should be excited about him he's uh obviously big left-handed pitcher with a really good angle to the plate uh, uh mature for me beyond his years he he really understands the the art and process of getting hitters out and making pitches he's got a plan uh, besides a, a plus fastball and and a, a plus four pitch mix with a with a uh, a power two plane slider and uh, breaking ball plus change up and uh, he pitched two games for us in the qualifier did extremely well and uh, I think you're going people in St Louis are going to really grow to like that guy. Jerry, when you see, I mean, you, you've been around this game for 60 years now. When you see a young kid like Liberator, what is it about him or young pitchers in general that stands out to you where you know, oh, this kid's going to be pretty good in the big leagues, and it's not just the talent. What more is there that you can see that shows you that they're going to be good in the big leagues? Well, you know, there is an it factor, and, and there's, a, there's a sense of variability relative to what that it factor is. Uh, but they have an edge. Uh, this this kid is really prepared. He's really serious. Uh, there are no little things. Everything's important. You know, he's a detailed guy. He's a great preparer, and he's not afraid. He has, he's confident. And we were uh, the qualifier. Uh, the Dominican had had an outstanding group of players there: Venezuela, Canada, Colombia, Nicaragua, uh, and and the Cubans. And so it was no walkover. And and uh, he has tremendous self-belief which to me is very important plus he has good reason you know obviously he has ability but he's a great preparer and he really understands his craft and what he has to do to make himself great jerry weinstein it'll be a bench coach for team usa is our guest and uh, the olympics looking forward to that we did get word that there will not be fans uh, at the olympics but still all teams preparing and uh, all the different uh, uh, athletes will be uh, attending and uh, preparing and going over and making sure that we do have an Olympics. I I do want to ask you about uh, John Jay. Now, he is near and dear to our heart here in St. Louis. He was a part of the 2011 World Championship Club. We had him on the air, and I've known John a a long time, Jerry. I I do the Cardinal Games, and um, he's just a great guy. And, And so... I've been down to where he grew up in in Miami. He's shown me around, 
And I know about his family coming from Cuba and what it means to get away from there and live and what it means to have freedom here in the United States. And so when we had him on the air, he it was it was incredible how he described it and his emotions of being able to wear that Team USA jersey and the pride that it meant to him to represent his country. Um, I am curious, as, as a coach, did you ever talk to him about that or have a full understanding of just what it means for, for John to, to represent Team USA? Well, I, I spent a lot of time talking to John Jay. As you well know, John is, is a great conversationalist. I mean that in the most positive sense, but... He's also a great baseball man. I'm I'm sure I would bet anything that someday he's going to be a big league manager and a really good one, because he really he understands people. He's a tremendous communicator, but he really understands the game, and he's one of the all time best preparers I've ever been around. And he he is like we we're talking about Libertor, and he takes it to the nth degree and total preparation. He was a great guy to have on that team. He was one of the all time. Uh, positive people, and and I think one of the reasons that we did so well and won was was John Jay. He was a, a, a prime factor in in our success. Jerry, one thing that I did want to make sure we asked you about while we've got you on the air today is your experience with Nolan Arenado. You you've been within the Cardinal or excuse me the Rockies organization for a number of years. You were able to be a part of the coaching staff in 2012 and 2013 when Nolan was just a young guy. What was your experience like with him, and what kind of a player was he back then compared to the player that we see today? Well, I had him in the minor leagues in Modesto, and but for all intents and purposes, he was the same player he is today. Now, obviously, his body is different. He's got man strength now, and, and he didn't have that at that time. But his passion – I mean, he was making sports center plays <laughs> nightly. And, and like every manager, we'd go up and exchange lines – Hey, tell me about tell me about Arenado. And I, I said, there's nothing to tell. You see, what you see is what you get. But he had a tremendous, and it continues. And I think that's one of the things that that serves him well. He loves playing baseball. He loves preparing for baseball. He's a baseball. He's as much a baseball fan as he is a baseball player. And and that's a that's a credit to to him and his family. He's got an unbelievable family. Huh? I, I, can I tell you one real quick story? Oh yeah, we love it. <laughs> we're we're down in it is in the Cal League, and we're we're playing in the Southern Division. We're playing in Lake Lake Elsinore, and uh, his he lives he grew up very close to that area. And he said, hey, after the game, my grandmother would like to have everybody over to the house, and and they were going to have empanadas and just some food and and i said yeah great let's do it and so we do that and it was really good and they said and we're about to leave he says hey he says, do you mind if i stay at home tonight and sleep in my bed i'll meet you at the ballpark tomorrow i said no problem don't worry about it hey we, we stretch at such and such a time be there at such and such time and he's there and everything goes fine and you know and yeah, no one doesn't have one of his best games and about two weeks later he sheepishly comes into my office. <laughs> I guess he was guilty. He says, you know that night you let me sleep in my <laughs> in my house? I said, yeah. He says, we played wiffle ball all night. <laughs> that, I mean, I mean that's so that's so Nolan. And, uh, I mean, you guys are so lucky to have him in, in St. Louis, not only as a, as a great player, but a, but a great person. And he, you, 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 I'm sure you know it, but you need to know how much he loves baseball and, 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 you know, as a baseball guy, that's that's meaningful to me. And 
then when he came up to the big leagues, you know, we were debating and, and they, and I happened to be in on the discussion as well. How's, how's he going to handle the third deck? I said, he, he, the third deck is not, is a non-issue for him. He's going to play the same way he's played his whole life. And this guy's going to be an all-star defender. Now, really, you're not over him. You're not over cooking this situation. I said, no, wait till you see him. And he, he proved, proved me to be right in that situation. And he continues to do that on a daily basis, wherever he is. Oh, it's unbelievable watching him every day. And the thing that I'm curious about, and I don't know if this is true. I had heard that, that when he first got to the minor leagues, like there were some guys that had to pull him aside and, and get his body in shape a little bit more. You know, it's a young kid and you're trying to get him used to being a pro and, and what it takes to be a pro. Um, and they said, once that happened, it was like a snap of the fingers and he became this just incredible player. Like people could see the hands and they could see the movement and they could see obviously the talent, but it just took a little nudging and a lot of guys, it takes a lot of nudging, but for him, it just took a little bit and like he was off to the races and now he's going to get his ninth gold glove this year. Is that, is that a fair assessment of what uh, was happening there? I think yes, in a sense, but it's also part of the maturation process. Uh, you know, your sure. body, your body changes as you get older and, and as you get in, in uh, to more of a overload training type environment and of course eating better, but, but Nolan, I mean, Nolan would, I'd get to the ballpark at 11. Nolan get to the ballpark at 11. He'd eat a little lunch. Then he'd go hit off the tee and then he'd go for early BP. Then we take ground balls and we have our, our, uh, our, uh, fundamental for the day. We take batting practice. Nolan go and get some to eat, then go out and hit again. And then after the game, he want to hit again, you know, and, and when you got a guy like that, you got it's much it's much easier to say whoa than yeah. Now certainly he had to modify over the course of a 162 game season, and then when you get a little bit older, you got to be a little bit smarter. But he was a worker, and he was an intelligent hard worker. You know, there were times he had to learn maybe not to overwork and sure. to, to pick his spots. But you know that comes with experience, and and certainly that's been the case with him. Hey, Jerry, one thing I love about going over to your Twitter account is seeing some of the videos that you post, and a lot of them are catching videos, and you you, you really dive in on whether it be the throwing mechanics uh, or really anything about what it means to be a big league catcher. I would be curious your thoughts on Yadier Molina. I mean, here in St. Louis, we revere the guy and we consider him to be a future Hall of Famer. When you look at Yadier Molina, the player, what what is it that stands out to you about what we've seen from him in his 15-year career now? Well, he's he's probably the best game manager. And it, this it, is kind of uh, um, pretty intrinsic and pretty uh, esoteric kind of subtle stuff that maybe the normal fan doesn't see how he how he controls the game, how he pitch calls, how he sets up as a target, how he positions the defense, and just the little things that he does, the unseen stuff that he does that 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 we're not even sure exactly what he's doing, but we see from afar, and what a great leader he is, and great, what a, and and his work ethic and his attention to detail, all the stuff that when we talk about Nolan, and we we can ramp it up even more and talk about Yachty over because he's done it over a longer period of time. And, and, uh, his baseball IQ is, is just, and we're not even talking about the physical stuff. It's just the, it's just the, the, those separators that, that separate the, the good from the great. And he's got, he's got that stuff. And, 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 and he's very giving. I remember when we had Willene Rosario 
who was a struggling young player that he took time out of his day to spend 30 and 40 minutes before a game talking to Willene and helping him. And I thought that was, that was really something special, but uh, I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. You got <laughs> one of the, one of the greatest of all times, but, a, but the, 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 just the, the game within the game stuff, the game management stuff, not, and I'm not talking about his incredible ability to hit in a timely fashion or his throwing ability or receiving or pitch calling, but he, he's, he really controls the game. And he, he's a difference maker, without a doubt. Jerry, this has been great to visit uh, with you. And my final question, um, give us a timeline. What, what's what's next for you as as the bench coach for Team USA? Uh, what are the players doing? When do you guys, do you guys have like a, a little training camp before you go? How does this all shake out for your team? We get together uh, on the uh, 15th or 16th of July. We'll have a couple workout days, and then we'll hold over uh, we've got like 46, 48 players, college players, and we'll hold over a group of those guys, and we'll play three games against the college guys. Uh, and then on the 21st, we leave for uh, Tokyo. The opening ceremonies are the 23rd. We'll, we'll have about a week to work out before baseball starts because softball is on the same field in Yokohama before we play, and we'll open up on uh, July 30th with uh, Israel. Then we play Korea. And then for seeding purposes, and then the medal rounds uh, start. It's really cool. Very, very it's cool. awesome. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. We're going to be rooting for you guys, and I know we're for sure going to be rooting on uh, Team USA with Jerry Weinstein as uh, one of the bench coaches out there. We're looking forward to it, Jerry. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. You bet, guys. Good talking to you. Anytime. You too. Thank you so much. Jerry Weinstein, been in baseball, as I mentioned, since the mid-60s. He was coaching, I believe, at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just a lot of years of teaching, instruction, minor leagues, bench coach, managing. Uh, Those guys are the best to talk to because they've just seen it all. They've seen it all, man. When you're in the minor leagues, you see it all. And if you, I would recommend checking out his Twitter account. It's it's really good stuff. I mean, he's he's like 77 years old. And he's out there on Twitter every morning. There's a new video coming out. He's at JW on catching, JW on catching, and he's just it's constant videos of what he's seeing around the league with catchers and what they're doing. It's amazing. It's baseball lifers, yep. and uh, I always get it fascinating too to to find out what they think about the game today. Um, it's obviously not the game they grew up with or probably managed or coached with and there's aspects of it they probably like and aspects they don't but when you're a baseball lifer you learn to adapt and i'm sure over the years he's learned you know what hey things change and you know this is how we do things now and fine let's move on and there's players like nolan aronado who make it worth your time oh yeah and when you have him your job is to yeah you go warm up all right get ready get ready okay nolan come on over here and let's make sure you're happy what's going on how's your life oh want some extra bp sure we'll take care of that yeah that guy's so much fun to watch. What He's a great! Amazing. He had a great series against the Giants. Those three games, he was great. Him and Goldie both had a really good series yep. out there. And I wonder if that's the kind of thing that can get those guys going. Because it's not that they were scuffling necessarily; they just weren't quite up to like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt standards. And it looked like, given how often they've played out there in San Francisco, they just felt super comfortable, and they both produced in a big way. How about the play that Nolan made? Here's the other thing. People will ask me, give me something about Yachty or watching Albert or Jimmy or Scott Rowland that that stands out that I can't find on baseball reference. And the I, lead oh, runner? Uh, That's yes, the player you're talking th- about? And, and here's the point. I said, those guys... 
um, when the game was on the line, I mean, ninth inning, they they wanted the ball hit to them, and I did too. Everybody did. But they were fearless is the way I describe them. There was no fear. So, Nolan Arnato, how many times have you seen him come in on a ball and get the lead runner at second off balance? Or in the bunt situation last night, it's it's kind of 50-50, you know, that, that play to get the lead runner, and it, it was either a one-run game, I think, at that point. That's a big run at second base midway through. Every run is crucial. Those guys are fearless. How many times did we see Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols have a pickoff with the game on the line at first base? You throw it past him, it's in right field, game over, or tie game with a runner at third. Uh, Scott Rowland, same thing, taking that chance. Jimmy Edmonds diving for a ball that if it gets by him, that's three, maybe four. They played with reckless abandon, but it was controlled, too. It was fearless. It was calculated. But they had guts. confidence. It was just the guts to make the play where a lot of guys, a lot of third basemen on that play yesterday, you know what they do? They come in, field it cleanly. Make sure they get the out, which is fine. That That's how the game is played, too. But there are guys that want to take the chances, and it's calculated risk, and more times than not, it works. And Nolan Arnato is that guy. The other place where you see it with Nolan, and it's come back to bite him a couple of times this year, let's be honest, but he's made some spectacular yeah. plays out of it as well, is when they've got the shift on, and he's the lone guy on the left side of the infield, and he's coming in on a ball, and he tries to barehand it, and he's made two or three plays this year that are just spectacular. Where, like you said, it's off balance, and he finds a way to throw out the runner at first. There's been a couple that haven't gone his way, but you don't get those spectacular plays without him trying in in the big time play. So it's it's special watching him night in, night out. I think sometimes um, my expectations were so skyrocketing high with Nolan. I expect him to do everything. Mm. And I got to remind myself, you know what? He's still the best down there. I, I love Key Brian Hayes. I think Key Brian Hayes will give him a run for his money if he's healthy for a full season for a gold glove. But uh, I got to remind myself, that the, the plays that we see that he makes, like last night, that's not routine. You know what I mean? It, he makes those plays kind of look routine, and they're not. Other guys don't make that play. And so you have to remind yourself that um, you know what? This guy is just ridiculous. He's he's that good. He's that good. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. The lady have done it. They have done it. They, they have again. gone back to back for the second year in a row. Oh. They have won the Stanley Cup. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I Just like Game that. 7 against the Islanders. Yep. one nothing. Another shutout for Vasilevsky in a series-clinching game. He had five of those in uh, the last couple of years, so the Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back Stanley Cup winners. Normally we talk baseball, but uh, congratulations to the St. Louis native Patty Maroon, three consecutive cups. That's amazing. Incredible. Uh, This was one hell of a victory for them. It was going back-to-back is an unreal accomplishment in hockey. It's just something you don't see. I mean, the last time was what, Penguins 16-17? Am I right on that, I believe? Correct. Um, It's It doesn't happen very often, Dan. And to be able to see a team like the Lightning do this again, especially given the circumstances of what the last two years have been, a pretty remarkable run for them. And how they manipulated the cap and the roster. So Braden Point, hometown discount. They 
uh, they were able to get Tyler Johnson through waivers with the COVID situation and David Savard, defenseman, they get in a three-way deal. They keep one of their best players on uh, the injured list until, oh, the playoffs start. Boom, here he is. He's able to play. He becomes a great player in the postseason. He's fresh. Um, but, they hey, they... You know, some people could look at it and go, ah, they shouldn't have done that. But they, they played within the rules. They did it, and it's fine. Like, yeah, the Blues did it, too. So the Blues the, had Vladdy Tarasenko ready to go whenever they were coming back. So Plus 50, by the way, goal differential, never lost two in a row. Not bad. No, that's dominant. I don't think they're going to be able to keep that together because of the cap situation. Uh, the cap in hockey, you're looking at $81.5 million. They got some guys up that will not fit under that because they're going to get some big deals. But to have that in a cap league and be able to go back to back is incredible. And don't forget, in 2019, they tied the NHL's record, the most wins in a regular season. They had 62, and then they were out in the playoffs right away, and then they go 20-21 and win back-to-back cups. So it's not like this is just, you know, a fluke. This is a hell of a run, which really kind of started with Steve Eiserman putting a lot of these guys in the pieces in place. And when you have Vasilevsky in, uh, in net, as they do right now, and he's only 26 years old. Yeah, you got a shot. I mean, they're they're going to be around for a while. Whether they can keep this whole group together or not, he's going to continue giving them a pretty darn good chance. All right, MLB news and notes, and away we go. And Shohei Otani back at it again. The next 2-2 home. Oh, he's going to get to jog around the bases. <laughs> he did it again. He's a beast. 32nd home run of the year that breaks Hideki Matsui's record for homers by a Japanese player in a season. And the home run bracket is set. Shohei Otani against Juan Soto. That might be fun. I think that's the best of these matchups. Oh, yeah, easily. Joey Gallo, Trevor Story, Matt Olson against Trey Mancini. I want Mancini to win because he had stage three cancer. He's beaten that. Now he's back playing every day. It's a great story. It's a wonderful, inspiring story. And then Salvador Perez, a catcher, which I think is kind of cool, too, against Pete Alonso. Salvi's a fun personality, too, so that'll be a lot of fun to watch him. But Shohei Otani versus Juan Soto, I mean, that's... It's perfect that they put those two up against one another because they're showmen. I mean, Shohei Otani, what we're seeing this year is Babe Ruth-esque. I mean, it really is. And you could even say to a greater degree because Shohei has athleticism. It's not just the power. Yeah. He also has, I think it's like 15 stolen bases on the season. I mean, he is going to be an unprecedented, literally in the history of the sport. We've never seen anything like Shohei Otani. Would you... um I think I'd have to think about doing this. Randy and I were talking about it on the morning show. I'd think about batting him leadoff and having him as my starting pitcher. Sure. Do something completely outside the box. Why not? Crazy. It's great for the game. Why not do it? This game doesn't matter. It's exactly. an exhibition, so go ahead and treat it as such. Let's well, really, see. it's the Shohei Otani show. This is not about the All-Star game. No, it's a showcase. <laughs> it's it's, it really it's about him, though. It's, I mean, it's amazing how much attention he's going to get now. And he deserves Absolutely. all of it. And he should be getting more attention, unfortunately, because he plays for the Angels. We know how this works. West Coast, late-night games. You don't get the same attention that he would if he was in, say, New York. But he's going to deserve every ounce of attention he gets this weekend. Probably hear more about this as we get closer to Sunday but some of the uh, players skipping the All-Star game, primarily that comes from pitchers, but Jacob deGrom said he is skipping the All-Star game. The Cubs, they finally won. It's an off day for them. They'll face the Cardinals tomorrow. They had dropped 11 straight, but the Cubs get after it with a couple of long balls against the Phillies. 
Nice hit, almost hit corner. Around third, on his way to the plate. Nico is in. Jock delivers. 6-3. Left field, fair ball, base hit. Heading to the corner. Pat coming in and racing around is Jack Peterson. And they're breaking it open. 8-3. Wisdom. Knocks it two. 8-3 would be the final, so that snaps the 11-game skid. Now, they had a no-hitter, you may recall. It was a combined no-hitter against one of the better-hitting teams in baseball at, at Dodger Stadium on the road. Fangraphs, and that was back on the 24th of June, gave the Cubs a 35.7% chance to make the playoffs. After their 11th consecutive loss, they had plummeted to 5.5% because the Brewers got hot. And all of a sudden, you're eight, eight and a half, nine games out. The Cubs, you know, they were viewed as a team that would have really good defense this year because you got Baez, you got a healthy Bryant, Rizzo's good, you got Contreras. They committed eight errors. They allowed 15 unearned runs in those 11 games. Wow. So that obviously hurt them. And it's a difficult stretch of a schedule that they had. So we'll see what they've got tomorrow. Projected starter will be Hendricks tomorrow. Kyle Hendricks, who has been a Cardinal killer. He's already a 10-game winner. And uh, they're trying to uh, see what they can do before the All-Star break and before the trade deadline, too. Yeah, the trade deadline is going to be interesting. I'm not sure there's any team more prepared to sell than the Cubs because it's not just having assets. It's also having assets that are at the back end of their deal. So a guy like Craig Kimbrell, he's somebody that would be super valuable. He might be the number one trade candidate at the deadline because these really good teams, like as much as we talk about Trevor story, most of them have a shortstop. So they don't need to go out and acquire Trevor Story. A lot of them aren't looking for uh, an outfielder that can come in and bat lead off for them. They need a reliever. They need a guy that can come in in the back end of games and help them close out these games. Kimbrell can be that guy for almost any team in baseball. So he's been dominant. I, I, I said this to Randy, and I, I want to get your thoughts. I don't know what you think, but sure. we don't know how the final two and a half months is going to play out with pitching. Are, are guys just going to be dead? Meaning that coming off a truncated season that, you know what, it's a high workload, you know? I mean, you're coming off a, a time where you were you're ramped up in spring, then you're shut down. Then you have the summer camp. You got to get ramped up again. Then it's a sprint to the finish for 60 games. And then for some teams, it's a month-long gauntlet of the postseason with extra teams. You know, how tired will some of these guys get? And I wonder if there's front offices, analytics that are seeing any trends going that way which I go then to Kimbrell and I say, well, he's a dominant closer if you need a closer, but you could also shorten games up even if you had a closer. Mm-hmm. So go to a back-end two-headed monster, which is something to think about. He will be highly coveted. There is no doubt about it. When you talk about Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, maybe Contreras, Hendricks, Cost Control, Jack Peterson, free agent to be, all huge names. I get it. And all could fit in some team. But the guy that really seems to make the most sense for a lot of teams would be Craig Kimbrell. It's about the number of teams you can get in on a bidding war. And every team that is contending could use a back-end reliever. Whether, like you said, if you want to put him as a closer, you want to put him in the seventh inning to bridge that gap to whoever your two-headed monster is potentially at the back end of your bullpen, everybody could use that guy. Meanwhile, if you're looking at a shortstop, there's maybe one or two teams that really want something like that. So he's going to fetch a a massive haul if they want to go that route. And Dan, I think they're going to be ready to be going that route. They're eight and a half back. They just needed a little nudge in that direction. And it seems like they've been able to get it over the last month. Rays get a complete doubleheader sweep over the Indians. 
and he shoots one into right field. Ruhan's going to go to the warning track. He'll leap and make the catch to end this one. One, two, three in the seventh inning. And the Rays combined with five pitchers to limit the Cleveland Ball Club to no runs and no hits. No hits, seven innings. McHugh, Fleming, Castillo, Whistler, Fairbanks. These are the rules. You got seven innings. It's no hitter. That's that's the game, man. They didn't give him two more innings. I'm with you. Uh, this one, I feel a little less like it needs to be counted as a no hitter. You like the was... Bumgarner one. Yeah, yeah. If you've got one guy that goes seven innings... I absolutely think that should be considered. If it's a complete game, it should be considered a no hitter as well. If you got five different pitchers that complete a no hitter, then whatever. Like, call it whatever you want to. <laughs> it's it five guys that had a good night. I got you. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.